A long time ago, on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the master machinesmith to my record cult, it's John Campbell. How you doing, everybody? I'm not going to live long based on the spoilers. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, we continue our piratey adventures in the galaxy far, far away. Yahar, we be beyond the galaxy in this one, John. At last, beyond the movie. <laughs> yeah, you well beyond. I love that they're still going with that. They're you know they're they're seven issues past the movie at this point, and they're like. No, no, it's still we're still past it, folks. Don't worry. We haven't circled back around to the movie. I, I mean, we do have to acknowledge the fact that this is still in an era of Marvel Comics in which the mandate is firmly any issue could be somebody's first. Ah, uh, uh, the famous Stan Lee quote, every comic is somebody's first comic book. Right. It won't become like a truly disastrous editorial fiat until Jim Shooter is like, I, rests iron-fisted control of editorial. Ooh. But Ooh. And we're getting there. <laughs> we are getting there. Um, Every closer to the, to the <laughs> shooting. Uh, but leastways, this issue brings us back to the lone planet on the star system Drexel. Remember, it's the only planet. Don't believe your eyes or what the art may show you. It is the only planet in this star system. Yes, yes, it is. No matter what is shown or said. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, boy, I will say, though, I saw this cover last night and I said, whoa, man, they are really taking some bold steps. Chewie takes a heel turn, folks. Well, before we get there, let us do state that we are, in fact, covering Star Wars from 1977 by Marvel Comics Group number 13. This issue was released July 1st, 1978. Lucky 13. Lucky 13. Uh, not so lucky for us, unfortunately. Um, because terrible. <laughs> this is, we are now a year out from the release of Star Wars at this point. Yes. And uh, this issue was written by Archie Goodwin, who is now going to be the, like the long-standing writer on this, uh, having writer taken and control. Editor. Writer and editor, yes. Uh, we've got pencils by Carmen Infantino. We've got inks by Terry Kevin Austin. We've got colors by Janice Cohen and letters by Rick Parker. And lest we forget, consulting editor Jim Shooter. I try not to mention him. John saying his name only gives him power. You say it enough times, and he'll show up. He's <laughs> like me. It's like Beetlejuice. You can't say Jim Shooter's name enough times, or else he'll show up, and then Spider-Man will have to teach the Beyond. You know anytime you see Jim Shooter in a documentary, because you always hear about Jim Shooter, right? Anytime you see him in a documentary, you're like, "Oh, that's him." <laughs> he's just—he's kind of a boring guy. Going like, "Well, when we were doing Marvel," and you're like, "Oh yeah, right." You're not a psychopath based on. I, I so the other night because I'm a broken human being. I was talking with my girlfriend. Not the, the me being a broken human being has nothing to do with me having a girlfriend or talking to her. Uh, hey, how how could you talk to your girlfriend? No, mm -hmm. the the part where I'm broken is where I passingly mention the Beyonder having to be taught how to poop by Spider Man. Um, oh yeah, well yeah, <laughs> and the me just passively mentioning that because my brain is broken and that, that just lives in my brain rent free and can be said at any moment made my yeah. girlfriend turn to me and go. What the fuck are you talking about? At which point I then had to explain Jim Shooter because it's the only way to explain Secret Wars 2. <laughs> yeah, all right. Now you need to know about this man named Jim Shooter. And me t ever talking about the Thanos copter apparently is why I'm single. So, you know. <laughs> Surprising. You no. Short. Um, <laughs> so anyway, about our relationships, let's talk about a Star Wars comic. Because, yeah, here's that cover you're talking about. I, where Yeah. My longest, one of my longest standing loves, and one of my most popular. <laughs> well, that's not true. <laughs> Star Wars will never betray me. Oh, it's betrayed me plenty of times. I've had to come to peace with the weird uh, abuse cycle we're in on Star Wars. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, you're speaking of that. Yeah, as this issue promises. Uh oh, friend against friend on a star lost world. 
deadly reunion. It's not Star Lost, Star Sun, Drexel. Come on, comic. Have you read <laughs> this book? And yeah, we've got a uh, Chewie knocking, I mean, like, basically crushing Luke Skywalker into a wall. And I love the idea of choking a robot by the throat as if it has an airway. I mean, it's just the most convenient place to grab 3PO is by the head. It is, but it's still like this idea about, must, and then, please, Gurgoni, I know you love this line, so you go ahead yeah. and say, he's got, for those who can't see this, Chewbacca's got 3PO by the throat and has lifted him off the ground. And uh, 3PO is saying, Master Luke, this time we don't dare let the Wookiee win. Yep. I do Not like that turn of phrase. Because remember, let the Wookiee win? That was the thing they said in the movie. But yeah, now if they so, let him win, he's going to kill everyone. Which, I, you know, I got to say, I, as I was saying last week, I never know what to expect from this comic. So I'm going, all right, Chewie's a bad guy now, I guess. Is mind control or something? No, the answer is much dumber than that. Yeah. Uh, look, in- this whole issue is a lot dumber than you think it's going to be. <laughs> By the way, did you see who this cover artist was? Mm-mm, no. Uh, the great John Byrne, folks. Oh, wow. I hmm. there's a little it's not credited I don't know why but if you look over just under Luke's butt it's there's a John Byrne signature on it that is some Byrne-esque hair we see on Chewbacca there framing his face now that you mention it that's like okay you know he would have just been starting at this point he's not yet the legend we know because he has yet he's not yet on X-Men or anything like that Mm -hmm. I don't think so at least um, yeah, John Byrne, one of my, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't even need to say. We all know he's one of the greats of all time. I mean, yes and no. One of the interesting things about this book, like we've said in previous episodes, is how it is at this strange intersection of comic book history. That's part of what makes yeah. this particular run of Star Wars fascinating. And so seeing people ascending like John Byrne and people on the descent like Infantino is emblematic of the bronze age of comics which it falls within like 1970 yeah. to 1984 is this kind of passing of the torch between two very different generations of comic so, book artists looking this up he had just started on x-men in december of 77 so he's, i was gonna ask i was i was pretty sure giant sized was uh just around this time right Yes, but that was Dave Cockrum. So right and so burn takes over after Cockrum does giant size right. x-men number one yeah, so X-Men 108 is when Byrne takes over. Giants, uh, yes. So, yeah, there you go, folks. Okay, cool. Um, and if you want to listen, know more about X-Men history, go listen to Jay and Miles explain the X-Men because they do. Yeah, yeah, I, I, will. I, I, get, yeah I, get almost, I get almost feel it going like, you're not qualified, yeah. even though I love my X-Men, but nobody loves it more than those two. No, they are the experts, quite literally. The experts, so, yeah, uh, all right. So we're let, back us, on. let us get into the Day of the Dragon Lords. <laughs> Man, every title here is so metal. We got I love it. World, we got Dragon Lords, and none of it lives up to that. Uh, we're back on everyone's favorite pirate ship. Because, <laughs> yes, Go lest we forget. A bottle of rum. We are on an unnamed planet in the Drexel system with our friend Luke Skywalker, who has been trying to find a new base for the Rebel Alliance because they can't stay on Yavin 4 anymore. The Empire knows what's up with that. They blew up the Death Star there. Yeah. Uh, but here's a planet they definitely shouldn't go to. <laughs> the only planet, the only planet in the Drexel system. Why Luke thought this was a perfect planet when he came here and first contacted the Rebellion is beyond me. What? Yeah. What did he see? What on his scans was showing... This is the place for us. And also, now having read these, I understand why we looked up the Drexel system and why it's referenced a couple times in some novels or something. And I see why they did not run back to this place and other Star Wars stuff. Because <laughs> there's literally nothing here except for some weird pirate ships. The, com- the comic makes it abundantly clear that this is nothing to do with anything <laughs> and can easily be forgotten. So yes, we've got Luke on uh, everyone's favorite Hydrocraft. Hydrocraft? <laughs> Sorry. Hydra, Marvel, I immediately... my uh, Every time, man. Every time. It's, it's still alarming. My my uh, inner uh, GW bridge suddenly kicks on, and I go, huh? Hydrograft. What? What? what, what? <laughs> <laughs> we all go on alert. Uh, so, yeah. So, Luke's skimming the waters here. Uh, uh, yeah, because he has trying to uh, make himself useful to this uh, strange society that has been 
building these pirate ships here. God, they look like pirate ships. We'll get into like why this is so incredibly dumb in a few pages here. But the fact that we have like the sconces and the windows in the back of this like big Victorian era age of yeah. sail looking motherfucker that is yeah. also draped in tarps and jungle gym houses. It's like the Lost Boys built a village on top of well, Captain no, Hook's pirate ship. That's kind of, I mean, I said this sort of looks like if you go to, like, Adventureland at Disneyland, this is kind of a combination of all this stuff. Uh, it looks mm -hmm. kind of like this. Um, yeah. So that's cool, and it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. On its own, the imagery here is cool. In the context of Star Wars, and specifically in the context of the story they're telling here, it is such a bizarre non sequitur. It really is. Is this Marvel's Peter Pan? Because I'm on board to read that. Uh, I want to uh, read Force Sensitive Peter Pan. That sounds cool. Absolutely. Uh, That's not what so, this is. <laughs> no, here we've got uh, Lucas showing. Look at uh, oh, this immediately rubbed me the wrong way when she when he says, um, "Governor Korg, I've been trying to explain that this R two D two droid." Well, oh, we're on the next page. Yeah, so we're back yeah. with uh, Governor Korg. Uh, Korg is this uh, Colonel. Kurt's looking motherfucker who is like, we're definitely dealing with some heart of darkness apocalypse now stuff, even though yeah. apocalypse now won't come out for another like two years. Though I'm still, I'm going with these medals he took. This is stolen valor, pal. I mean, based on what he says about his father later in this issue, yes, 100%. Yeah, uh, he's but so of all crimes. <laughs> Yeah, but we are dealing with this weird, like, cargo cult situation where yeah. these people weren't originally from this world, but the generation we're dealing with now has been raised under this kind of, like, auspices of a long-forgotten era that we are now just using the leftover scraps of to maintain our existence. Yes, which is, as we said, uh, you know, is interesting. That's interesting on... On paper, if you bothered to try to actually explore that in some kind of way. Right. Instead, we get Luke here saying, hey, this R2-D2 unit, you know, because all R2 units are R2-D2 units. Again, none I know of that, that canon has been established yet. Don't worry about it. Well, no, wait a minute. Yes, it has. Don't they say R2 unit? This R2 unit has a bad uh, uh, motivator valve or whatever in... Uh... Motivator unit. Uh, motivator unit. No, in... he just says this droid has a bad motivator unit. Oh, I've that's, that's me filling in my own canon. <laughs> yeah. This, anyway, this, that was R four, John. Come on, that was R four. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was a piece of junk. Yeah. Uh, John well, was, was he? We'll get to a comic book about that one day. Oh, I know. Uh, so yes. Uh, uh, so the Korg is impressed by this. He likes these. At least R two three PO is utterly useless to these people, right? They never actually mention it in the book, but why they're even, like, letting 3PO go? Because, yeah, R2 is putting the ship back together, but he never makes any mention. It's like, okay, but what does that gold one do? Because the answer is nothing. <laughs> well, I mean, for the purposes that they're not, like, interacting with other cultures that they would need, like, a translator droid or something. Yeah. No, at this point, 3PO is just here to spew back, uh, basically, recap of what's happening. I mean, one... I love C-3PO, so hold your emails. One could ask, what good did he ever do anyone in these things? Um, I mean, he, he stopped the Ewoks from eating everybody. Yes, that he kind of lucked into that, but yes, agree. <laughs> uh, that was due to circumstances. But just in terms of, outside of like diplomatic uh, relations, he's useless, right? And we love uh, him. Yeah, I mean, look, we're never going to see 3PO holding a gun, John, so... <laughs> well, unless you're talking about Attack of the Clones, folks. Well, <laughs> yeah. We get hmm. everybody's favorite comedic bit from that comedy master, George Lucas. There's a whole 20 minutes in that Geonosis section that could literally be excised from the film and it would change nothing. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I'd say it would change something make that movie much better. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. Uh, Governor Quarg is like, okay, if you think your R2's unit's so hot shit, you're going to be flying the hydrocraft that he has repaired. And if you fuck it up, we're going to kill your droids. Yep. So they, so go to the next page and he's taking this skimmer out and boy, the glorious windswept hair of Luke Skywalker on this. I, I, I mean, look, 
we complained so much in the first few issues about Luke's general, like, going from old man to young boy vacillations from panel to panel. So just sticking with him just being a, a glorious himbo for a few issues has been a, a big relief for me personally. Uh, the biggest thing we've said since the Switch Dan Fantino is consistency, which is good. However, that doesn't mean there aren't other problems. But yes, agreed that uh, the, uh, the 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 consistency is there. But it is this just like, ah, oh, look at that. He's doing a shampoo commercial on every pan. <laughs> well, look, he would have to use some kind of amazing conditioner for his hair and face to look that good after living on Tatooine for his whole life. It's true. And he's, he's stuck here in one outfit on the Doom world. The Doom Water World or whatever. So anyway, he takes this thing out here. And this is uh, this is fine Luke Skywalker piloting thing. That's yeah, well, the idea is like, hey, you got to go take this scrap that just got repaired. Go blow up that piece of flotsam that's floating out there. And if you can do that, then you can stay here and you've proven your worth. And meanwhile, Luke's having this inner monologue about basically everything that's happened up to this point. Clearly, there's some kind of conflict happening between these this this wrecker cult we don't know that they're called that yet and the dragon lords who are the sea serpent riders who luke encountered when he first crash landed here way too cool a name for how lame they are um, we don't actually know how lame they are at this point that's that's true just this whole planet i'm just i'm just ready for disappointment sure uh, uh meanwhile r2 and 3po are back on the sh- on the ship with uh governor quarg and they're like, oh my, uh, I do like the lines here where 3PO is like, well, at least you got that much right, R2. But frankly, I feel that your resetting of the laser cannon feed system was done a few too swiftly. And uh, R2 cuts him off with a, we do beat. And 3PO's rejoinder of name calling does not make it any less true. That is good 3PO R2 banter. That is solid. That's, once again, good one. Is doing a better job of capturing the characters. There's still weird stuff in here, but at least the characters sound like the characters for the most part, which I like. Uh, we also, I think the R2 sounds there are pretty good. Like a, a we do beep, like that's all yeah. R2 phonetics. The, the sounds are getting better. Yeah. Getting Chewbacca's better. still a little, we had that he's still, orc at the end of the last issue. Yeah, he's a little gronky. He's a little orky. Yeah. Uh, uh, so but, anyway, but at there's the a of this page. Boy. Yeah, on board. Uh, Thing from the Adams family has smuggled himself on board. So happy he got more work. It's been a long time at this <laughs> point. It's that weird uh, period between the sitcom and the movies when it's tough for to find work for yeah, a hand. Yeah. And obviously, uh, yeah. he's in a big revival right now. What with the wind? No, he's show. big now. It's a career resurgence for him. I'm, I'm hearing Oscar buzz. Um, Glad for Thing there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's really, we're in the Thing Renaissance. Um, <laughs> Thing of songs. So we turn to the next page and the devil himself has shown up. <laughs> it does look like Mephisto from the other Marvel comics. It does. This weird coloring choice to make this this vivid bright red on this crazy haired guy coming out. Uh and, and he goes, Then you'll be dead, boy. Yeah, because this is the master machine smith who is feeling like Luke is going to replace him if he doesn't choke out this kid and kill him? I don't actually know what's happening here. Oh, uh, you know how it is. Immigrants from Tatooine are stealing my job. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> He's got this weird hair halo that is like a, a chin strap beard that goes up into the sideburns and over the crown of the head, and it's all going in every direction like he's the middle of the sun. It's a wild look, man. Like like I said, Mephisto from Marvel Comics is the closest thing that I can get in terms of what he looks like. It is. I just love the idea that this guy was sitting here waiting going, I'll teach this kid to do my work. Also, yeah, how long was he sitting in this ship for? The ship doesn't have like a closed cockpit. It's all like open cockpit that you can see into. When did he sneak in? <laughs> a while based on this insane look of not cutting his hair or shaving for weeks, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Maybe so that's yeah, why they want to replace him. He's been sleeping in all these hydrocraft the whole time. Good God, Machine Smith, not again! <laughs> Put that bottle down. I told you, you have a problem. Uh, and so, yeah, but apparently he's just too big and strong for Luke Skywalker because corded muscles tighten around Luke's throat. Corded muscles? That's mm. some uh, 
That's some real pulpy kind of writing right there. I'm saying we're, we're getting into some Conan the Barbarian territory. We just need to talk about his righteous thews and we'll be right in. There the you go. Now we're talking. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, the anyway, yeah. So he, Luke's, he's choking Luke. But Luke, <laughs> here's a perfect opportunity for Luke to use the Force. And he doesn't. So. Yeah, I'm, I know where you're going with this. I don't know, because one thing that we've talked about is how much they're allowed to do in this book. We already know they're ramping up into, like, Star Wars is getting a sequel. Nobody's questioning that at this point. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. They're, but, they're, they're actively working on it at this point. How far in Luke's development are we allowed to get? Are, can we even have Luke using the Force before he gets his lightsaber uh, in the Wumpus Cave in Empire? I don't know. Yeah, that, that there is sort of that thing here. So instead, we do we do have him kick this uh, lever that sends the hydrocraft flying or, or like tilting up and throwing. The... I thought this guy was dead from this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Luke like hits the e brake on this hovercraft, yeah. and yeah. it launches the back end up like a catapult and launches the ma- machine smith, which had an arm around Luke's neck. How does that also not launch Luke out of this thing? Yeah, that that was a little <laughs> weird. What about his corded muscles? <laughs> yeah, uh, but that sends him flying out into the water. And don't then worry, get- he's fine for now. We get this next page where Luke pulls this sick Tokyo drift and <laughs> okay. swings this thing around. Yeah, man. He hit the Nas. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, succeeds in the mission and blow. And really? Is that a Vrak cow? I do love a Vrak cow. And that was right after a good spang of this thing yeah. power sliding. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Uh, hard to drift on the ocean, but he's done it my friend because he's luke skywalker luke's a good pilot that's what we know about luke at this point really that that is true it's a thing that i feel like with each movie gets less important i mean yeah jedi stuff usually overshadows the whole like being a good pilot thing yeah unless you're skywalker say what you will about the prequels that is something they actually showed off in every single one of the prequel movies is that anakin's a good pilot Absolutely. Actually, uh, does he do any piloting in Attack of the Clones? Oh, he flies the the craft and chases the the shapeshifter. He sure does. That's a cool sequence. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so he blows up the thing, and that proves to the the governor that he's good at fixing stuff. Yeah, I guess. Because um, now he's going to keep him there as a slave, basically, right? I mean. He's like, look, you killed our machine master, so I guess you're the machine master now. You keep what you kill. This is a uh, uh, necromonger <laughs> logic we've got going on here. <laughs> I guess so. Talk about uh, talk about Conan the Barbarian kind of stuff. Uh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> uh, this is a brutal world, man. Uh, so yeah, he and Luke's like, well, I really not looking for a job. Um, <laughs> well, worry. Th- they've won over the droids. Yeah, because they're dipping the droids in, like, fish oil as, like, an oil bath thing. Because that's in, the same thing, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I thought that was really weird. Um, <laughs> also, that they're in old-timey barrels because they're pirates, once again. <laughs> if they're in old-timey wooden barrels, how are they heating the oil in these barrels? Yeah, Well, there's a lot of questions about what's going on here, right? <laughs> I mean, we know about the wood and the metal and stuff in this world, but I, things like electricity I'm unsure about. And I really do. This society is ill-informed, but don't worry. They've got lizards about they're just like nuisance lizards. They're basically the rats of this place. Is these but little it's lizards? The, it's that they're lizards. Give me a Star Warsy name for them. I mean, here's a better question, John. Mm-hmm. This is an ocean world, right? Yeah. <laughs> With no solid land before they built these pirate ships as their homes. Right. Where did these lizards come from? Where did these four-legged lizards come from? Yes. Uh, they're a recent development. This is really <laughs> the beginnings of uh, they built this land and then things crawled out of the ocean and walked on it. Evolution's ah, happening fast, baby. Real fast. Okay. Orlando <laughs> Jones is somewhere around here going like, damn, these evolving quick. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, love it. Uh, yeah, just cut to scientist Orlando Jones going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
take the leg, take the leg. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. I think we've referenced that. I think this is the same time that movie's come up on this podcast, which I'm sure people were expecting. I will never not reference the early 2000s David Duchovny vehicle evolution. <laughs> I have a great opportunity for that movie. Um, so, yeah. So, so he's like, well, you're here now, kid. So, uh, check it out. I totally hung that guy. Yeah. Uh, how about some exposition now, uh, underneath the corpse swinging from the rafters because (laughs) yeah, they apparently pulled the machine Smith out of the water only to make a public display of his hanging in the middle of the town. Yeesh. Yikes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, but we are, this is where we're really getting into some Heart of Darkness Apocalypse Now territory, because yeah. we start getting this story of the fact that the they are a people descended from the uh, peoples that existed on an asteroid belt somewhere during the yeah. governor's father's time. Um, indeed. During the age of the Old Republic. We get a name drop there. Yeah, that's... Uh, interesting here. I do love, uh, if you go to this next page when they're telling the story about, <laughs> I mean, the, they come from bad guys, right? Guys that the, 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 they were purposely crashing ships to wreck well, them, right? We get that on the page before we say, uh, he never quite forgave the Republic for ending his rather profitable, profitable governorship. Father governed the Cortine asteroid belt, using his authority to cover his citizens' partiality to space wrecking. And then, yeah, on this next page, we get an explanation of what space wrecking is. Basically, they would lure ships into this asteroid belt, use sonic jamming devices to ruin their navigation equipment so that then they would crash into these asteroids. It would look like an accident. And then these people that the governor's father would, uh, like strip these ships and kill everyone aboard and make profits off of not mining the asteroids, but salvaging all of these crashes. I mean, holy crap, right? I mean, these guys yeah. were all pure evil. And uh, then the Jedi Knights wrecked their shit. Okay, n- yes, exactly, which is cool. Now, I think this is key to something we've been talking about, which is uh, not wanting to move the story too much. Look at how we just see the hands of a Jedi Knight with a lightsaber. I think now we're backing off on doing too much mythos building here, aren't we? So here's a question I have. That Mm. middle panel there where we get... Because the the dialogue from the governor says, and lust for even more of these profits led to the development of more powerful and effective jammers. But the influx of special equipment and technicians needed to accomplish this in time attracted other interests, the Republic and its Jedi Knights. So presumably this is still part of the flashback where two hands of a Jedi are coming into the panel to hit somebody who used to have a gun and now they're dead. Right. In the background is the governor? Is the governor, but this happened before his lifetime, right? Uh pretty close, yeah. So is the previous well, I... governor an exact clone, or is he his own father? Well, What's can't going be on here? Just yet. Uh I don't yeah, know. I... No, it is just like, well, my dad wore this outfit. So is this I, just an inconsistency in the art that I'm harping on? Probably. <laughs> it's weird. It is weird, though. There's no question. It's it's very strange. Or is it some sort of like artistic thing where he's seen the flashback and he's there? Like, we go. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It is weird, but I just think it's interesting that they're like, let's not show this Jedi. We don't want to commit to anything that the movies could, you know. Well, what we don't see yet is just off panel is Don Juan Quixote finally putting the crap down on these guys. <laughs> There's the answer, folks. He is uh, a Jedi. He was a real Jedi. But anyway, uh, the governor's father and a band of followers escaped in a ship and made their way to this world. And thankfully, this world had enough uh, resources to help them build a base, but it was only made of uh, plants and, like, uh, animal life is what they had here. No right, metals right. were here. Right. So hence, that's why it's such a big deal. Right. That they so, metal vital to the maintenance of equipment and weapons was so, missing. To be clear, and I really want to drive this point home. When they came to this world within yep. a lifetime, within a generation ago. Right. They did so on a spaceship that did not look like a pirate ship. 
This is correct. They chose, with the resources available, to build, seemingly for no reason, a village complex that to look like a pirate ship. You got that. That is why everything looks like a pirate ship. Is because they dug the aesthetic. They were like, what's our vibe? Pirate ship village. Yeah. The the question, of course, being (laughs) what, what context would they have for our Earth understanding of pirates? And they did not come from an aquatic world where that was like a traditional form of architecture. They came from a spacefaring asteroid mining civilization that would have zero context for a pirate ship. And landed on pirate ship. (laughs) So, and how did they get the wood? They mined underwater trees, as we see in this bottom right panel here. Sure. Let's go with that. Coral and forest trees. Sea trees. Yeah, that you know. that all, you know what? Airtight, as far as I'm concerned. You know uh, those large bark-filled uh, wooden things that grow underwater. That happens. Isn't, isn't that how we get uh, wood in our world? Isn't that this is this is straight up science, as far as I'm concerned? As far as I know, yes. So, like, why do they have timber constructed pirate ships? Don't worry about it. Is the answer. Yeah, and what what machinery did they have to make that happen? And oh my god, they had god. stuff aboard the ship they crashed in because we'll find out that like the spaceship they crashed in is still here technically, underneath the pirate ships. And that, but the thing about it's that thing where it's like, and on that ship was all the stuff that could do this, and that's the end of the answer to what was the you know like that ship is what what was on that ship is what we need to make this story make sense. Right. Uh, And then we get a little bit more backstory about how uh, in the course of them settling here, the sea dragons, those sea serpents, have been attacking them. Uh, At a certain point, the technicians who were used to, like, make all the technology work were like, this is wrong. Maybe we shouldn't do this and tried to leave. Uh, Thankfully, the governor's father killed most of them, but the ones that got away... Uh, became the dragon lords and harnessed the powers of the sea dragons using their technological know-how. Also, amongst all the stuff we've been talking about, there's also some sort of civil war playing out on this water world. Talk about too many plates spinning. And (laughs) they had to, like, go so far out of their way in, like, six different directions to make the plot that we dropped Luke Skywalker into make any lick of sense. And it still only barely makes any sense. So uh, <laughs> it's still utter nonsense as far as I'm concerned. And all of this, heading towards all of this, is a band of space pirates. Yes. Flying into the middle of this conflict, we have Han Solo and Chewbacca and Princess Leia on an Imperial Star Destroyer that is being flown by Crimson Jack and his pirate crew to- <laughs> To crash into the middle of this as sea this dragon versus page, wrecker cult it, civil war. And as this... Ne- well, because on the next page, they'll see our scanners show a giant ship coming in. And Luke Skywalker says, I only know of one thing that large. An Imperial cruiser cut to full-on sideways flying of this thing. Before we get that far, I do want to go ba- a little bit back to the governor's dialogue here. Because we never really establish why they don't want to leave this world (laughs) except for this line of dialogue which is the governor saying so let's have no talk of leaving the planet skywalker i need you and your droids for my war a war to win final control of this world once and for all a war dot 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 and then he's cut off because the thing that they've detected is a star destroyer on approach yeah a war. Oh, wait, I was about to explain it, but never mind. We don't have time. Yeah. Uh, there is also an interesting thing on this next page where we have a Star Destroyer incoming. There's an empty dialogue bo- uh, bubble on that first top left panel. Uh, it there looks is. like the governor was supposed to say something and then there's just nothing there. And that can be used to like certain effect in comic books when if you have like a character who's like has a mouth open and is about to say something, but then never Usually does. It's like a, it's like a small bubble dot, dot, dot or something like that. Like with an ellipses or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's usually not just an empty white space. This looks like a, a printing error or something. Yeah, maybe. And again, we're reading the digital version. So this might be some kind of error in the, uh, the scanning process. I don't know. Sometimes that happens. You can have coloring and dialogue errors crop up in scans. 
Yeah, I don't know, but it's weird. It's 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 it, it definitely stands out as being a little strange. Or um, maybe the letterer just forgot to fill in that dialogue bubble. <laughs> and and we're talking about it, the name of the game was Speed at this time. It's just like just get this crap out. Here comes Crimson Jack flying. To, all I can imagine if you're flying the ship like this, isn't everybody going whoa? John, you know what the great thing about space is? Mm. No gravity. All the gravity in this ship is dictated by which way is the floor of the Star Destroyer. So they're fine. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, but they're st- ah, it's still weird. Uh, I guess it's <laughs> indicated by the fact that when we go to the next page, there's a lot of weird... Look at this uh, Leia and Jolly, uh, or Jolie or Jolly, or whatever you want to call her. Uh, look at how sideways that is. It's like a Batman 66 shot. There's literally... Uh, all but one of the panels in this page of the five panels are Dutch angles to put it in film parlance. I, I guess because they're flying the ship sideways, I guess they they answered my issue. But <laughs> gravity seemingly has no effect until that last panel when they're hit by the sonic scramblers. Yeah, and they lose their anti-gravity or they use, lose their artificial gravity, I should say. Uh, Something so. I'm noticing about uh, this issue now that Princess Leia is back, because she was kind of absent from the last issue, is that yeah. her and Jolly's eyebrows are basically the same. And I mean, their faces are pretty similar, too. Uh, like we said before, Inventino kind of has a bad case of same face. Well, because even kind of Han almost has those eyebrows in that first panel. True. But like very arch, like disappearing into their hairline eyebrows. They're very they're harsh, angry eyebrows, too. Look yeah. at that. Uh, I mean, Le- are, Leia's got reason to be angry. She is prisoner yet again. She, he does. She does, but he's got. I wouldn't say Infantino draws particularly attractive women. Face wise, they're they're very they're very harsh and intense. Yeah, but a, he's kind of leaning on like uh, dragon women kind of stereotypes of just like oh intense and arch and always in control but you don't want to mess with them uh kind of femme fatale archetypes yeah and uh, but it, he's like locked into that in every pan you know i mean sort of thing yeah. where it's like they all are in this so they lose their artificial gravity we go to the next page and okay this is the thing that makes me the angriest in the whole issue and Chewy i think knuckle it, running chewy knuckle running chewy is not an ape chewy is a wookie they want to make the comic so far really wants to make Chewie much more of an animal, and the end of this issue will be very much that case mm-hmm. than he is. I really don't like that, and that's not a thing where it's like, oh, we just don't know yet, because there's enough of Chewie in A New Hope alone to let you know that he's not this. You may not know everything about him, but you know he's not an ape. Yeah, and like the proportions on him are all wrong in these couple of panels. He's been getting more and more ape-like as Infantino's been drawing him. And when he st- when we started out with this artist, uh, we definitely, like, lauded him on his Chewie actually looking pretty good. But he's been becoming more and more like the freaking Sasquatch from Alpha Flight or the Windigo, another Marvel bad guy. I'm really starting to think that might be good one on editing notes or something, which is weird. I don't know, but it is interesting that that is consistent. We've seen we've seen Chewie almost devolve. Yeah, and his face has changed a bit. He's definitely getting away from the more. I mean, he's almost got kind of got a feline look uh, on his the actual yeah. like sculpt of his face. He's headed into that like Grant Morrison beast look. Um, yeah, man, it's but weird. Yeah. Uh, so Chewie and Han are making their escape now that the pirates are distracted by the loss of power. They're making their way through the ship, and they just happen to run into Leia, who has also escaped (laughs) off-panel. Yeah, it doesn't matter what happened. Although I do like that she's coming in dual-wielding weapons, which is pretty cool. I I think Uh, it definitely supports my theory that uh, the reason they threw her into a cell with handcuffs a few issues ago is because she has escaped multiple times, and there are dead people all over the ship because of Princess Leia. (laughs) The trail of bodies that Princess has left behind her. Uh, Pirate Dave is just like, oh, no, she's got out again. And then we hear blast oh, fire and no. the radio goes out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're just watching like in uh, Aliens with the, the <laughs> right. She, she's in the walls. <laughs> yeah. Just lay a crowd exploding out of a air conditioning vent. 
in that white dress. Tiny little, like, five-foot Carrie Fisher. <laughs> to be fair, uh, a coked-up Carrie Fisher exploding out of a cooling vent would be terrifying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ask Dan Aykroyd when they were dead. That was like... Um, so uh, I do like this this last panel on this page. Han's shooting a rifle. Leia's got a pistol. And Chewie just... <laughs> He's got a guy by the leg, and he's got he's got one guy by a leg in each arm, and he's just flipping them about. Well, look, Chewie chose violence this morning and decided to beat a motherfucker with another motherfucker. And <laughs> the best improvised weapons, where a Wookiee is concerned, is another of your opponents. <laughs> that really has me. It's uh, very funny. Yeah, I really yeah that that had me laughing last night. So we go to this. Okay. Go to the next page, and we'll get the first of several very bizarre renderings of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, we hard cut to, okay, our dream team of Leia, Han, and Chewie has escaped from Crimson Jack's ship aboard the Millennium Falcon. Apparently, whatever jamming technology the Wreckers are using to shut down the uh, Star Destroyer is so targeted that it doesn't actually affect the Millennium Falcon inside that Star Destroyer. Right, right. Uh, whatever so, moving on <laughs> I don't know. this really does scream of like we just got to get him out of this we got to get him off this ship uh yeah <laughs> but this but, look at how weird the falcon looks it's like kind of the right shape but the proportions are wrong yeah the proportions are weird and like those two front uh I don't know what to call them, prongs, I guess, that yeah. come out the front of the ship. Uh, earlier, or in other Star Wars media, I say earlier as though that existed when this was written, but in Solo, yeah, we know that that used to contain the uh, escape shuttle. Yes. Uh, which uh, I like is a, is a fun retcon. It's like, oh yeah, there's a missing piece there. That makes sense. Which is Yeah, I, that's actually one of my favorite things in Solo. But like the cockpit's out too far. The prongs are too short. The the little side nodule is way too protruding. Yeah, it's a little all over the place. It's a little all over the place. And once again, it's that very smooth. They kind of give up. They really do the sides and then they give up on the bottom doing any kind of lattice work or anything. So it's just very smooth, sort of flying saucery. Anyway, Han Chewie at the helm uh, and they end up uh, flying towards the planet here. I do like that, again, we're keeping consistent with how the cockpit is. We get the the doorway in the background. We got them in the two chairs up front and Leia behind. That all tracks. That's good. That's good. I mean, they, you know. They haven't always been good about that, so I do like that they've done that. Uh, Governor Korg is flipping out about why this ship is flying. Well, specifically because their scrambler doesn't seem to be working as well on the Star Destroyer, and his little technician here is just like, we've never tried to bring down a Star Destroyer. What the fuck? It's a lot to ask. (laughs) It's a lot to ask. That thing is one of the most gigantic and menacing ships in all of Star Wars. And he's like, why isn't that thing down yet? Come on! Yeah, and he's like, don't tell me that. You're doing something wrong. You're in sympathy with those fellow technos, those traitors who became the Dragon Lords. Which, if you're a bunch of science nerds and you leave because you don't want to just mercilessly kill people from space, and... The people you left behind choose to call you the Dragon Lords. I feel like you're doing something right, dude. Yeah, that's, I'm a hundred. I'm Dragon Lord for life, baby. So, uh, look, they just uh, started calling us the Dragon Lords. Uh, we're just using science here to manipulate the local <laughs> biology. I mean, you yeah. can keep calling us Dragon Lords, but we're not really lords of anything. So uh, technically, that wouldn't be an accurate description of a dragon, but uh, <laughs> our sea serpents and dragons. But and we're not uh, really lording over any of them, or more managing their behavior. So, if anything, sea serpent managers yeah. maybe doesn't have the same ring. Sending electric signals to the brain patterns. <laughs> anyway, pretty cool elbow. Um, yeah. So there. Yeah, they're, I just this guy. It's everybody's fault but yours, Governor. I mean, that's classic, uh, like, megalomaniacal uh, cult leader, right? It is. So let's go to the next panel. And I do like, I mean, once again, imagery, Infantino's good. Like, all the dragon lords coming at the ship here. 
in the distance, and we got this weird shirtless pirate going, Dragons! A whole blasted army of them! It's a full-scale attack! I mean, how would we know he is a pirate if he wasn't shirtless and wearing a, like, cloth cap, John? Yeah, and he's got, is this a gun? It's a very long-barreled gun, if that is, on his hip. I don't know. All I know is a couple of Crimson Jack's crewmates got here too quick. Because (laughs) we've got this guy up in the rafters. We've also got his twin on the ropes just below him. I, we're, we're brothers, but we work well together. So, like, it's such a weird mishmash of people dressed in, like, ancient pirate garb and people dressed in military fatigues and, like, (laughs) army helmets. Both Crimson Jack and Governor Quark have this weird hodgepodge of guys, and they don't they haven't really settled on a uniform look. Mm-mm. Uh, uh, but because, they both have a lot of piratey fellows. Yeah. But yes, we do get this awesome panel here of on the horizon as the sun is rising, this line of sea serpents from uh from horizon to horizon coming towards a, the ship. That's legitimately cool. Right. And totally, de- like, devoid of context when it comes to Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, this makes no sense to me in the world of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, so Governor Corey's like, Luke, you gotta go kill him. <laughs> well, because if you don't, I'll blow up your droids. Yeah, it's kill or be killed, literally, here. Uh, so Luke heads out in a, in a Hydra craft. Hydra craft. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Like beat, beat, wait for it. Got it. Uh, yeah, he's out. He's out in that thing, and he's like, "Well, I guess I got no choice. I got to kill these people." Yeah, Very go- And he's going at it until what's this falling out of the sky? It's I don't, another I weirdly I'll- drawn Millennium Falcon skipping like a stone. Even weirder drawn Millennium Falcon. <laughs> like everything that was weird about that last drawing is amplified here. It's almost reversed in this one because it's incredibly detailed on the top, but again, all the proportions are completely skewed. Yeah, I was I was reading this last night, going, "What? Where's front? Okay, I guess those are <laughs> the, the the aforementioned prongs are so minimal. They're so small here; you can barely see them. They're almost non-existent. And yes, it's skipping across the water is really weird." I do like that idea, and we've seen the Falcon crash land in some of the movies, yeah. and seeing it, like, skip and bounce because it is, like, a, a, a good old-fashioned skipping stone totally makes sense. But it is, as, as much as we lauded some of the water work in the previous issue, this one feels a little like, okay, we're just, we gotta, we're moving things along, we gotta establish what's happening here. We gotta get everybody together. So the Falcon crash lands in the water, he goes, don't worry, we can float here forever. Which is kind of interesting that the Falcon can just float in the water. I wasn't aware that the Millennium Falcon can be used as an emergency flotation device, but here we are. This is the first I've seen of it, but yeah, uh, I I feel like we have a lot of experience with the Millennium Falcon, and this is the first we've seen, but okay, sure. Um, And importantly, it is landing right in the middle of the war breaking out between the Dragon Lords and the Wreckers. Indeed. And so... uh, uh, Luke sees someone fall off the Falcon on the next page here. Yeah, because we've got uh, like, Hydrocraft coming into the Falcon and opening fire on it because I guess they just assume they're with the Dragon Lords. And Luke is like, no, I've got to save my friends and shoots down a couple of Hydrocraft because I do like this narration here where Luke Skywalker has seen his aunt and uncle dead by the Empire's hands, has watched Obi-Wan Kenobi apparently fall before the Sith Lord Darth Vader. Now, to see a laser bolt lash at two friends and the rebel princess he holds dear drives him into a raging action without thought of the consequences. Fair point. This guy has had a a, a bad run. Yeah. Uh, Also, is it bad of me that when I... Or initially read the line two friends i am assuming he is talking about han and leia and it immediately excises chewy from my brain until well, he says the princess he holds dear and they go all oh, right two friends han and chewy got it yeah and then <laughs> yes <laughs> well it's interesting that he is like leia han chewbacca oh that's not the one i wanted it to be growl yeah because he goes up to the where the i guess the millennium falcon sinks here when it gets shot oh. I thought Han just said they could float forever until they got shot and 
sunk. Shot once. Yeah. <laughs> on the top. I guess not float forever, huh? Not as not as buoyant as he thought. Yeah. Uh, but he's trying to rescue his friends when one of them comes rocketing up out of the water and it's Chewbacca. And this is where you start to get angry, I, I expect. I'm very angry. I'm a big Chewbacca fan. And I don't understand what would happen to Chewbacca that would turn him into a violent, crazed rage to the point where he can't even see this is his friends and he just starts killing or trying so, to kill. The The narration here, it really is Chewbacca intelligence erasure happening here because oh, yeah. in this bottom middle panel it says... Wookiees are not sophisticated. Someone in a skimmer tried to kill him. So anyone in a skimmer is suspect. This is like, I'm, I'm, I'm so offended as a Wookiee fan. <laughs> as, as a, as a Wookiee devotee. If I know. love the Wookiees. They're one of my favorite alien races in Star Wars. And just that they're not sophisticated. Go to hell. I mean, less they're than not, a, less than a year later. We will see a, a a Wookie grandfather watching weird virtual reality porn. If that isn't cultural sophistication, I don't know what is. He is using tech to get off, man. So let me. <laughs> right, I'm just saying. It, it, it just it is just this thing where it's like, what in the, what even in just a new hope makes you think Chewie is like a full on psychotic animal? I mean, the joke is even that. Han is making him sound more violent than he is to a certain extent, right? With the, he'll rip your arms off. And Chewie does that like, that's right. Which speaks to a level of sophistication to go, I know what that guy's saying. And I know what that's making you perceive. I don't actually have to do anything. The only time he flips out, flips out like an animal is when he's pretending to, when they have him in shackles. I would say the only other time Chewie like really flips out is when they're in the trash compactor. Yeah, but he's you know, scared, and that's how he, you know, it's, but it's not, he's not, he doesn't then punch Luke Skywalker. <laughs> no. Chewie is a guy who wears his emotions on his sleeve. He definitely is a, a creature of vast emotions, whether they be sorrow or joy. It goes big in either direction. But also, loyalty to his friends is one of the most important parts of the character. Though I will say at this point, Chewie and Luke haven't exactly had the most stellar of relationships. The last adventure Chewie went on with Luke. Uh, Luke suggested they put him in handcuffs. Chewie wasn't a fan of that. It took Han to talk him into it. Yeah. You've got to imagine Chewie had some part in convincing Han Solo to turn back and save Luke Skywalker at the end of A New Hope. And then after that, he gets snubbed a medal. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Wait a minute. If this is about that, then I'm 100% on board with this word. <laughs> Chewie you know sees what? the guy who got the medal when he didn't at the end of A New Hope. Son of a bitch. Uh, but yes, no, I know it will later be retconned that Chewbacca declined the medal because he's too noble. Well, no, remember they mentioned in the comic that he'll get it later because he's too big for Princess Leia to put it on him. That was in the, the issue of this comic, which was That's nuts. true. Yeah. Yeah. The, she's just too short to put it on him, so they'll give it to him later. Uh, yeah. The, the, the attempts of that is like... I love the retconning of stuff like that, where I'm like, guys, just just let it be like that with that movie bad. We don't have to try to fix it, make it make sense. You can just say like, yeah, they kind of screwed up on that. Uh, I do want to ask you a very important question, John, and yes. that is, how bad do you think a salt water drenched Wookiee smells? Oh, he's reeking, right? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have to throw these guys around; they're passing out from the smell, <laughs> right? But anyway, the skimmer that Luke was on then explodes. <laughs> it ex I mean, it explodes. Yeah. Really? The ocean <laughs> below Chewie disappears because this explosion is so big. They should be dead from this explosion. Come on. <laughs> It's an awesome piece of little art there. It looks like uh, Luke is going full Dark Phoenix for some reason. Uh, but... My force powers are out of control! Uh, yeah, it is pretty funny. Uh, and so then we go to the next page and we come out of darkness too. Chewbacca's got 3PO by the throat and he's just going nuts, man. 
Yeah, and again, Chewie's whole anatomy has shifted wildly yet again. Uh, we're getting a little bit less consistent in terms of, like, exactly how is Chewie built? Is he a gorilla? Is he a Sasquatch? Is he an yeah. ape? What are we doing here? Right, right. Yeah, it's it's a it's a little nuts. And so he's throwing 3PO around, and he, he just like a rag doll. And actually, he's kind of just throwing 3PO around, because it's Luke and R2 against the wall here going like, Jesus! <laughs> I like the idea that they were struck unconscious by the explosion, presumably gathered up by the wreckers and the only reason Chewbacca is throwing 3PO around is because 3PO just wouldn't shut the fuck up when he was trying to sleep I said let me sleep uh. <laughs> yeah, the, all of these panels in this last page do have a continuous ramble of dialogue that based on the like punctuation here it is assumed that we are like coming to with luke and so mm -hmm. he's only coming in midway through this conversation that 3po yes. is having as yeah chewbacca is manhandling him boy and that's where we leave it with the promise of next issue call it armageddon <laughs> boy this the the titles of these books are writing checks i don't think they're able to catch <laughs> no we have never seen stakes that have matched these titles ever it's like call it Armageddon, doom world call it armageddon day of the dragon lords like the dragon lords got two pages in this issue Damn, it was hardly their day man <laughs> well we'll uh, next week what yeah. that Armageddon they're speaking of is. I'm guessing it is Armageddon Upon the Doom World, which is my new Black Album uh, <laughs> album name. Armageddon Upon the Doom World. Yeah, uh, uh, my, uh, my, my death metal band has a new album that's called uh, Armageddon Upon the Doom World. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be huge, man. That's good. That's solid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chewie's on drums. Of course, yeah. <laughs> that kind of animal savagery he's known for. Uh, yeah. yeah. Boy, oh boy. I, 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 I got to assume that we're going to open up next issue with oh, and Chewie fine. going like, oh, sorry, I just had a bad explosion. Yeah. Of course, of course. But it's, it's I mean, this, that also bothers me, just the way that they're like, see, yeah, we're going to make you think, and then now nah. everything... It's like that in this, the right? narration like, purposefully framing a character as not what they actually are it is unreliable narrator at its best and like obviously yeah. claremont will do this a ton in x-men uh starting around this time oh, but there's his characters right we don't have content i mean not all he didn't i know once again save your letters he didn't create all those characters but i'm still saying like he's the architect of that he's not basing this on something else so he can do that and that's right. his because uh, Claremont can do no wrong. Um, <laughs> well, his his omniscient narrator also is like extremely combative towards his characters. It's like yeah, well, Cyclops, you dumb idiot, you've fallen for it again. Claremont <laughs> is the whole other world. Claremont's its own style. You know, what I mean, yeah. like, like Cla you can't really compare others to Claremont. Uh, that's the, he only he can get away with that stuff. He gets away with stuff I hate in other people's books. Well, so. I, I, I'm not even saying that Chaykin is like. Uh, or Goodwin is trying to be uh, mm -hmm. Claremont here. It's just that he's doing sure, some Claremont too. Yeah, he he is doing some narrative deception here that can read as underhanded and a little bit like you are trying to pull one over on the reader of just like, oh, Chewbacca's gone wild because I say so, even though that's probably not what's happening and it's all just giant mislead. So we can have a cover of Chewie turning on Luke and three PO. Right, right, yeah. Uh, well, there you have it. Another issue in the ongoing saga that is Star Wars. Yeah, I guess uh, let us know in the comments below if you're watching the YouTube version of this. Do you think Chewie's gone rogue? Do you think he's going to just rip the spine out of Luke Skywalker in the next issue of Star Wars? Bold swing. It'd be a bold swing for the comic, folks. If Chewbacca uh, had a Mortal Kombat-style finisher move... What would it be? Oh, Let us know yeah. in the comments below. I really want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and of course, if you are watching on YouTube, be sure to like, subscribe, and ring that bell for your notifications. 
Absolutely. Of course, the best way to support the show is to hop over to our uh, Podbean patron page. That's uh, Podbean or patron.podbean.com slash punchup, where you can support all of the quality entertainment you can get from the Punchup Entertainment Network, including this show, uh, Material Components, Action Shelf, Campbell and Jones Meet the Monsters, and so many other shows that you will get access to if you uh, help support us on the patron page. Indeed, indeed. Gregoni, I think well, there's nothing left but to say goodbye to our uh, loyal fans uh, for another week. <laughs> yes, indeed, because as always, may the panel be with you. <laughs>